All right, we're talking about having a king on the throne. This is so amazing. Part of this is conditional. Part of this is not conditional. The kingdom was divided into Israel and into Judah. It used to be, watch this, it used to be that David ruled over both kingdoms. David's son Solomon lived righteous before God for many years. Then all of a sudden he abandoned God at the end of his life. When his son was born, his name was, uh-oh, messing up, starts with an R. Jeroboam, Rehoboam, Rehoboam, something like that, Rehoboam, Rehoboam came on the scene, dude, at this moment he was a sinful guy, he was wicked before God's eyes, and just like God said, I'll take it from you, so ten tribes, ten tribes, watch this guys, ten tribes were taken from him and given to another man, and he no longer ruled over all of Israel, he ruled over Judah which was Judah and Benjamin, only two tribes out of the ten, out of the twelve. He only ruled out of two tribes instead of the whole thing. The, all the, the people of Israel were stripped away from the lineage of David. But there was a deeper promise. That's so good. Deeper promise. If you will be careful to obey my commandments, I will have your descendants sit on the throne. Throne of what? So good, dude. The throne. We're talking about dominion again. Right back to Adam. Watch this. This is so awesome. Woo! Stripped away in the earth. In the earthly realm here. But spiritually there was something deeper happening. Because see, David did obey God. And because David obeyed God, God kept his covenant with David. Even though his sons did not obey. And if you study the lineage of David all the way down, you'll find Jesus. Jesus did keep the law. Then there became a sonship of faith. He says, all authority has been given to me for heaven and earth. Jesus gets all the authority back when he dies. Why? He kept the law. Not only did he keep the law, but he kept the law for us when he died for us. He kept the law for us. So now all the law has been kept in Jesus for me. Jesus kept the whole law. He, he incorporated a new sonship. If we believe in him, we become sons of God. And now we enter into this lineage of Jesus. Now we are a royal priesthood, the scripture says. Now I rule and reign on the throne yeah. with Jesus forever. Mm. That's good stuff. Yeah. So you see, David's covenant was slightly conditional. There's a lot of things that God did to create the loop, to, 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 to bypass the, the, the covenant. Even in Abraham, Abraham couldn't keep his side of the story. He put Abraham in a deep sleep. They cut the bull in half. And then the bull, what they did back in the day, <laughs> when they were cutting covenant, they cut a bull in half. And if James and I were going to go into agreement with one another, we'd say, hey, these are conditions of our covenant. We're going to both walk between the two halves of these bulls. So when we, when we walk between the two halves, what that symbolizes is if I don't keep my side of the covenant, then what happened to this bull is going to happen to me. 
you can cut me in two. James would also walk through it as well. And James would say, if I don't keep my side of the covenant, then what happened to the bull will happen to me. I'll be cut in two. I'll be broken. So good. God put Abraham in his sleep. And it said this lamp went through the light of all men. Walked through the two halves of the bull in his, in his dream. This is so awesome. See, that bull was symbolic of his cutting the covenant with God. His promises were all wrapped up in this thing. The birds came down to come get it, and it says he shooed the birds away. Get away! You have to, you have to shoo the birds off to your promises. When something tries to steal what is yours, you need to shoo it away. But here's what Jesus did, or here's what God did. He put Abraham in his sleep. Mm. Put Abraham in his sleep. Ah! Again, sleep is another symbolic of death. Mm. Guys, come on. Abraham was put into a sleep. God walked through the two halves of the bull. Did not require that Abraham walk through. Just God. Why? Because God already knew. He already knew. He prophesied to Adam. I mean to Abraham. He said, Abraham, your people are going to go into bondage for 400 years. They're going to be sojourners in land not their own for 400 years. And I'm going to bring them out. They're going to worship me. He already knew they weren't going to be able to keep this law that he was going to set up. He already knew that one of these days when Jesus comes on the scene, I'm going to have to pay the price. And Abraham's not going to be able to. Abraham, you can't keep this covenant. It's not possible. I'm going to do it for you. It's good stuff. So again and again and again and again, you can see that God says, I will not forget my covenant. Why? Because God's not a liar. We might be, but God's not a liar. It's good stuff. All right, check this out. 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 17. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. What's that? 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel 7, verse 12 through 17. <coughs> 2 Samuel 7, verse 12 through 17. Something wrong with the deal? We're good? Is it still recording? Okay, good. 2 Samuel 7, 12-17. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall, call, who, who shall come from your body and I will establish this king, his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father. So awesome. And he shall be to me a son. I'm not talking about Solomon. When he comes... When he commits iniquity, I'll discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever, in accordance with all these words, and in accordance with all his, this vision that Nathan spoke to David. Okay? He became sin for us. So this is the Davidic covenant? Mm-hmm. It's all in David. So now we're in David. Did you think we were still in Moses? No, no, I was just... So we're in David, we're blowing through these. Alright, Isaiah also prophesied. So during those kingly rules and reigns, there are several kings after that, Isaiah comes on the scene and starts prophesying about a Messiah. Okay? Messiah covenant, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So in Jesus Christ, all of the promises of the whole covenant, every single covenant, all the promises that belong in those covenants belong to you. 
Because Jesus is the fulfillment of every covenant. Mm. Okay? Galatians 3.13. I already read that one to you. Cursed is everyone who's hanging on a tree, so he became the curse for us, and he redeemed us, right? Galatians 3, verse 21. The law... Uh, I, I wrote... I, I already read all that to you as well. Okay? So you can see, I've been kind of talking about the Messiah covenant the whole time. So... I'm pretty much done there, okay? So in Jesus, all of the covenants are established, and this is the one we're most familiar with. So when we read the scriptures concerning like Job or these other people that are going through stuff, we always read it in light of Jesus. The problem is Jesus wasn't there. Problem was, that's not the covenant Job was was. So let's study some stuff here. Where does Job fall in these covenants? Where was Job? Was Job... Um, okay, this is very important. All right, check this out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some of the stuff I wrote in here. We know that Job was pre-Moses for sure. Okay? <clears throat> check this out. All your protection promises and stuff, dude, they come uh, in the Psalms, okay, which is David, Okay? Like Psalm 91, for instance, that was written by David. Okay, So all the Psalms was written in David. When David, uh, when they went to go fight the Philistines, okay, they said, who are these men? They're uncircumcised Philistines. They don't have a covenant with God, so we can take them. You see? That's why David was so confident in battle, because he knew he had protection. Why? Because he was adhering to the heart of, of the law of Moses, <clears throat> and he knew he had protection. You see? It's good stuff. Why? Because there's all these promises and curses in the law of Moses. And David was upholding that. He was a man after God's own heart. You see? He kept the law. And there's sacrifices, by the way. Sacrifices that if you couldn't keep the law, sacrifices made you righteous before God. So that it actually take the penalty for your sins. All your sins would go on that goat or that lamb. And then you would be made right before God. Technically now keeping the law. You see? That's why Jesus was a more perfect sacrifice. You didn't have to keep sacrificing every year. Everything. All right, you see this? All right, so David, the psalm, for instance, Psalm 91, that was a, a, a psalm of protection. Well, that's in David's time. Where does Job fall? Well, we know for a fact that Job, just from the context of what you read in the book of Job, that Job predated Moses for sure. How do we know this? <clears throat> all right, so check this out. And by the way, all the promises of protection are in the Moses law. There is no protection in Abraham, except for those who bless you will be blessed, those who curse you will be blessed. I mean, those who curse you will be cursed. That's what Abraham had. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you make you a great nation. All people will be blessed through you. But there's no protection against sickness or anything like that. It's all found in the law, which came after Job. Watch this. There was not there was not covenant concerning sickness yet. There, this, it says right here. Um, I wrote on here. For all we know, Job may not even be after Abraham. Or even a Hebrew. There's no priesthood established in the book of Job. In the book of Job, in fact, he acts as priest over his friends. But God made him. He says, I want you to make a sacrifice for your friends. But there was no priesthood. He was not considered a Levite. Normally, they give you his father. Job doesn't have a father that's named for the genealogies. Okay? So we know he's not after Moses. He predates Moses. The reason why is there's no priesthood established <clears throat> until after Moses. Okay? Alright. 
We also know that he has to be before Jacob. Because when Jacob entered in the land of Egypt, it gives a detailed list of names of, the, of Jacob's descendants that entered into Egypt. And it can't be, it has to be before Abraham because the only people between Abraham and Jacob was Isaac. So we know this before Abraham, which means that the covenant he had was predating even Abraham. Blessings, and those who bless you will be blessed, those who curse you. So he's before Abraham. If he's not before Abraham, then he doesn't even qualify for this family pro uh, promises because only these promises apply to these people. So if he was on the outside, if he wasn't even a Hebrew, then all these covenants that were there, and I doubt it because he was a man of God, right? So he had to be a man of God, but he had to be a man of God before Abraham. Awesome. There's also some other reasons why we believe this, so I'm going to get into that. But my point is this. If he's not a Hebrew, then he does not get Hebrew benefits. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So Abraham's covenant doesn't apply to Job. Moses' covenant does not apply to Job. David's covenant doesn't apply to Job. The only one after Abraham that does apply to Job would be this messianic prophecy because this was for the whole world. If it applied. But we also know it predated all that. So there's reasons why certain things came after Job that seemed to break everything in our scriptures. Look. Look. Noah was Genesis chapter 5. And 6. And 7. So anything... This is what you need to think about. Anything written after Genesis 5, 6, and 7... That area does not apply to Job. So if you want to know what belongs to Job, and whether or not it was right for Job to go through through this hardship or not, you can't look at anything after Genesis chapter 5. Or actually anything after Abraham, which is... Let's just look at that real quick. Sorry, because I'm saying Noah. I actually think that, 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 that Job was before Noah. Go ahead. Yeah, well, 7 was the flood, right? Yes. That, or six, 6 was uh, Nephilim... So that's what I'm looking at real quick. So it, would have been it. it would have been after the flood. Alright, so... <clears throat> Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10. This is the genealogies after Noah all the way to Abraham. Okay? So, before this, what I'm trying to say is, there's, there's this genealogy in Genesis chapter 10 from... It just skips from Noah... It talks about all the people between Noah and Abraham. So the only thing that could possibly, if if Job was before Abraham, or let's say Job wasn't even in Abraham, let's say he was outside of Abraham's family, but he was after Noah, the only thing that he has is Adam's and Noah's covenant mm -hmm. to base his life on. You see what I'm saying? Makes sense? So all the promises of protection don't apply to Job. See? <laughs> mm. It's powerful stuff. <clears throat> now, I believe he was before Noah. This is my personal opinion. Does it say how long he lived? Does it say how long he lived? Job? Yeah. I think it does say he, it, it gives his years. If it gives his years and he's not living over 700 years, then I would say he's after Job. I mean, after Noah. Let's take a look at it. It's, 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 it's a debate. It's under debate. There's no uh, historical 
perfect evidence. All I know is there's other context clues that say it can't be here. That makes sense? Or actually what it really says is that these covenants don't apply. So let's look at Job chapter 42 and see if we can figure out real quick if it tells you how old he lived. All right, it doesn't say how old he lived. It says, after this, Job lived 140 years, which means that he could have been a lot older, because I don't think that Job chapter 1 tells you how old he was. Sorry, we're discovering here. <clears throat> it just focuses on the fact that he lived in 140 years of prosperity. Does that make sense? So how old was he before that? It doesn't say? No, it doesn't say. That's what I'm looking for real quick. There was a man in the land of Uz. Uh, was Uz ever mentioned? Can you Google that real quick? Where was the land of Uz and is it ever mentioned in the Bible? Besides Job. Wow. All right, so I'm going to keep going. If you can find that, if you can find anything with those context clues, that'll help us out. But we do know, my main point is this. He didn't have a priesthood, which means that Moses' covenant did not apply to him. And um, he couldn't have been in the lineage of Abraham because it would have named him. And he's not named in any of the genealogies from Abraham to Moses. Does that make sense? Powerful stuff. Alright, so, with that in mind, we'll keep going, because I can still do this without this, but um, there's some context clues that say that he could possibly be before Noah. I think he was possibly before Noah, possibly in... Oh. Direct descendant of Shem, uh, Uz is the son of Aram. Okay, so Uz is the son of Aram, okay? So they named their places after this. So, obviously, it's, so it makes it sound like it's after Noah, Okay? Um, so he had Shem, Shem had Aram, is that right? Uh, he's a descendant of Aram, I don't think he was a direct son, probably a grandson. And then Uz, okay? <laughs> so, he was in there somewhere. Which, Shem, by the way, is a great-great-grandfather or so of, uh, Abraham, okay? So, kind of up there a little bit, he's from the righteous line, but he's weird, okay? Alright, so, check this out, let's keep going. <laughs> Pre-Moses, for sure, there was not... Well, it says he lived in the land of Uz. Which means that he may not be a descendant of Uz, but he could be. It's most likely he was. If he was in that place, then he probably was a descendant of Uz. So, there was not... Uh, Alright, so here. Pre-Moses, there's no covenant for, for sickness. There's no priesthood. It could possibly be post-flood, but definitely pre-Moses. Okay? And it would have to be before Jacob... And so on and so forth. So I put on here, I already, already said all this stuff, so I'm skipping through it. So either he's not a Hebrew at all, or he predates Abraham and possibly, possibly. We, I don't think he's after Moses. I don't think he's before him. Okay. Um, all right, I'm hurrying. <clears throat> all right, so check this out. I'm going to go blow through some stuff here. Um, also, we know that the devil rules the earth. So he had no covenant with God that protected him, but we do know that the devil ruled the earth. So this is powerful because see the devil started ruling the earth back in Adam's time, yeah. right? <clears throat> Job one six through twelve. 
This is right here. Oh, and by the way, it wasn't God's idea to send Satan, if you read it carefully. It was not God's idea. Listen, God just knows everything. Think about the questions he asked. Now, there was a day when the sons of God, that's the angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan, the accuser or the adversary of the brethren, also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Question number one, does God not know where he came from? Yes. He knows where he came from. He never asks a question he doesn't already know the answer to. Mm -hmm. Okay? From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down it. And the Lord said to him, and the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? What's the, what's the answer to that question? Did God not already know? He already knew. God already knew that Satan was considering his servant Job. Yeah. That's why he brought it up. Because you can't hide things from God. Have you considered, are you, in other words, you've been, you've been thinking about my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth. Now, this is awesome. God starts to brag Proud. about Job. He wasn't trying to destroy Job. No. He was trying to talk good about Job. That there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, and said does Job fear God for no, for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. So Satan was now tempting God. Mm -hmm. Hey God, why don't you stretch your hand out? And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. That's a fact. Yeah. It's not a, something that he let Satan have. It was a fact. All that he has is in your hand. You already have dominion over everything he has. When God put a, a hedge of protection over Je Job, it was... I put it on here. Um, keep, the hedge from God was courtesy, not promise. You hear this? The hedge from God over his stuff was courtesy, not a promise. God had no covenant with Job. In fact, we know that Job never talked to God. It says that he was, in fact, the whole time he was going through the trial, he was asking for an audience before God. Job had never heard God. Job didn't have a promise from God. Job didn't have a covenant with God. But God loved Job. My servant Job, he said. Have you not, have you, are you considering him? And so then this is where the devil says, I'm going to lay claim to my right to have him and to put him under trial. Why? Because he belonged to Job, to Satan. You see? It wasn't God's sending Satan after him. It was the fact that everything already belonged to Satan. And God can't violate his word. See? Because his word. Hands were tied. Yeah. Listen. See, a lot of times we think that God can just do whatever he wants. He can't do whatever he wants. He's not a liar. He gave dominion over man. He gave dominion to man. Man forfeited to the devil. Now, the devil has rights yeah. to Job and all he has. Where does he fall? Right here. Adam, you screwed it up. It's all because of Adam. That's why Job went through what he went through, not because God wanted to had an evil vendetta. See, what happened was God was bragging about Job's faithfulness, and the devil said, I'm going to send something to him to try to get him to stop being faithful. Mm -hmm. See, anytime something comes from the devil, it's here to destroy your faith. Yeah. It's not from God trying to teach you a lesson. 
It's the devil trying to steal your faith. Mm-hmm. If we can understand, that was the purpose. Oh, everything happens for a reason. You better believe it. But sometimes it's not God's reason. Right. Well, something happened. Oh, all this stuff happened. Yeah, it was for a reason, to destroy your faith. It wasn't so that you could... See? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand that. Woo! Have you considered it? Yes, of course. Of course, God knows everything. But stretch out your hand. So he, he, he doesn't even play with that idea. He says, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Hold, only hold, only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Keep in mind, okay, so I'm to put this on here, right? Job has yet to have an audience with God. Technically, the devil has dominion over Job because of Adam. We got to quit jo- quoting Job, number one. About 80 to 90% of what's spoken in Job, God rebukes. But most people don't have the endurance to read through the whole book and find that out. The book of Job is all about endurance. It's all about pressing through. It's all about enduring to the end. Those who endure to the end will be saved. But we can't even read to the last chapter and actually wrap up everything and interpret the whole book based off the last chapter. Yeah. We want to start interpreting the book based off each verse, one verse at a time, instead of everything in context. you got to read Job in context, mm-hmm. and then you got to read Job in context of the Job itself. You have to realize that Job, that God was upset with half the things, more, more than half the things, 80 to 90% of the stuff that was said in Job, God said was a lie. And we want to say, well, God takes away and God gives and takes away. No. You know? Got to realize that the Lord was rebuking certain things. And Job went through doubt. He started going through doubt, but there were certain things he wouldn't let go of. So good stuff. Check this out. Job was prophet. Mm. Oh, oh, the only guy in the book of Job that God did not rebuke was Job's fourth friend, Elihu. See, most people don't even get to the fourth friend. They read through the first three friends, and then they stop and build all the theology off of the first, the first three friends. And they forget all about the fourth friend. Y'all need to read the fourth friend. It's good stuff. <laughs> Put you in your place. Then read what God says. So read what, first of all, read what Elihu says and read what God says. Pretty much, that's all the truth in there. Okay? It's good stuff. Job was a prophet, and he was dangerous to Satan. This was the problem. Mm-hmm. Job was a prophet, and he was dangerous to Satan. Yeah. He saw Jesus. It's good stuff. Job actually pulled down a covenant that didn't belong to him. Ooh. Job had great faith. Job 19, verse 23 through 27. Oh, that my words were written. This is so cool. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. And they were. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives. (laughs) And at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Hmm. Hmm. Whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. If you say, how we will pursue him. And the root of the matter is found in him. Be afraid of the sword. For wrath brings the judgment of the sword, that you may know there is a judgment. Job's righteousness was not found in his deeds, but in his faith. Yeah. The devil's snares were set to cause Job to question God and doubt him. Mm. The book of Job is his mental breakdown of his misunderstandings of God's character. He was attacked in his possessions, he was attacked in his family, he was attacked in his flesh, and the last test was his mind. The counsel of his friends. The story of Job is one of redemption, not of suffering. We get it in our brain that God was tormenting Job, but God 
even rebukes this idea. It's good. It's good stuff. Job's children and wife were wicked. They died for their wickedness. Job expressed this concern in Job chapter 1 verse 5 when he says, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Job 42, 7 through 10. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. So Job had heard of God, but he had never witnessed God. He never had this encounter with God. He had no covenant with God. But now he was about to enter into covenant with God. That's good stuff. Sometimes God puts us in a place, or allow, or even what some people who I think they don't have perfect understanding of say he allows. See, the thing is, the whole world is under the control of the devil. And God even uses the evil one to bring about righteousness. Yeah. He established a covenant with Job after this mm. that could not be broken. It's good stuff. Therefore, I watch this. I have heard of you by hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Now I, I get it. Yeah. You're a good God. You're a just God, and you're not a liar. Hmm. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job repented. This is key. Everyone thinks that Job was perfect. Job was not perfect. Job repented. All his thoughts toward God about why these things were happening, he had misunderstanding about God. And it says right here, he repents. See, everybody thinks that he was perfect. Some of the things that Job said about God was not perfect. And he repents. This is powerful. Job repents. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken to me what is right, as my servant has. The difference was those two didn't, those three men didn't repent. Job did. It's good stuff. Now, therefore, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to your go to my servant Job. And offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job shall pray for you. Job was a type of shadow of Jesus. Woo. God exalted him again. Mm. Like. That's good. So my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. Woo! For you have not spoken to me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite went and did what the Lord had told them, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. When he you be oh my gosh, mm. pray for your enemies, buddy. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Job 42, 12 through 17. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first daughter, Jemima, or Jemima, I don't even know what this means. The name of the second, Keziah. And the name of the third, Karen Habuch. Habuch. <laughs> and in all the land, there, was no, there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers, after this, Job lived 140 more years. Look, you're talking about probably a, a trial that lasted maybe a, a week or maybe two or three days. How fast did it? In one day, all this stuff was taken. All his family was killed. <laughs> Boom, one day. The next day, he was stricken. So what are you talking about? Maybe three days. Two or three days of affliction. Two or three days of affliction and 140 years of prosperity. So we get all wrapped up. We think the whole book of Job is about suffering. It's not. It's about redemption. It's about how God takes the one who has faith, even during his hard times, and blesses him. Yeah. It's good stuff. 
Alright, check this out. And, this, and Job died an old man and full of days. James 5.11 in the Amplified Version says, You know we call those blessed or happy, spiritually uh, prosperous, favored by God, and who were steadfast and endured difficult circumstances. You have heard of the patient endurance of Job, and you have seen the Lord's outcome, how he richly blessed Job. The Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. See, here's the, the lesson that comes. James, the book of James, is a commentary on the book of Job. And he says, this is what you're supposed to take away from God, from this, the book of Job. And he's compassionate and merciful. But we want to say that God is sending all that stuff. No, the moral of the story of Job is, if you endure to the end, God is merciful and compassionate. Mm -hmm. This is so awesome. The point of Job is, we should not be so consumed with ourselves and what we deserve. Because we don't deserve anything. Right. Regardless of our righteousness or unrighteousness. And saying that God did all this evil to us undeserved. Instead, we should be so very consumed with God's goodness. Because isn't that the question? Isn't that the real root behind the question of, why did God do all that stuff? Because we question the character and integrity of God. If God was a good God, why would he do that? See? That's the real question. Right? So we know it's straight from the devil. Because only the devil makes us question God's character. If the devil can't put hardships on you and make you question God, he'll let you, he'll let you look at other people's hardships and make you question God. <laughs> like the book of Job is a prophetic book about Jesus Christ. That's why the devil wants to twist it so bad. And make us start believing things about it that aren't simply true. That simply aren't true. It's a big distraction. Yeah. It's a story of redemption. Job was not blameless if you read the whole book. He had moments of doubt, but he knew the character of God and he believed in a redeemer. He chose to trust God's redemption in his life no matter what the situation looked like. That's the moral of the story of Job. To be like Job. Endure. Believe that God is good even though things are happening to you. Mm. His steadfastness and faith in God lead to his personal victory. The devil set the attacks for one intention, and that was to destroy Job's faith. Our job is to, to withstand the schemes of the devil. So next time you're asking, what about Job? I wrote on here, this is another, another thing I wrote up, and I'm just going to read through it. It's, I'm almost done here. Only about probably three minutes left. <clears throat> when we complain, in the story of Moses, God's, God grew weary of their complaining. They kept complaining, kept complaining, kept complaining. Why are we going through all these hardships? You know, was it not because there's enough graves in Egypt that you put us in the wilderness to die? <laughs> Good stuff. So many times we use this phrase, what about Job, as an excuse for defeated living. Or for an excuse <laughs> to blame God for the evil in the world. Yeah. Both are bad. Both are not faith. Both are unbelief and both lead to death. And complaining is a profession of our... Complaining is the outpouring of your heart. Faith is grown in the heart and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth professes. Your complaining shows the rest of us what you have faith for. Mm. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, I believe, therefore I speak. Anyone, anything done outside of faith displeases God. Um, so whenever you ask, okay, so we already talked about this. Um, you have to think about how Job was in an inferior covenant compared to ours. We cannot keep comparing ourselves to Job. There's a lot of people who will say, well, what about Job? That's why I'm going through all these problems. Quit comparing yourself to Job. Because first of all, Job's in the Old Testament. Yeah. So I start quoting all these scriptures about healing and stuff. They're like, well, that's all in the Old Testament. Well, then quit using Job because Job's in the Old Testament too. Hmm. You know? Uh, because all the promises are yes in Christ. And Job believed in a Redeemer, which was Christ. He believed in something that wasn't even for his time. Hmm. That's amazing. 
That's amazing. He pulled down a promise and brought redemption in his life because of a promise that was way, way off. Thousands of years. So whenever you are tempted with a question, what about Job? Think about this. Instead, you should ask, but what about the blind man, the lame man lowered through the ceiling, the lady with the bad back, the lepers, the woman with the issue of blood, Jarvis's dead daughter who was raised, the 5,000 hungry people, the 4,000 hungry people, the man at the pool of Bethesda, Lazarus raised from the dead, the centurion's servant, the Syrophoenician woman's daughter, the man with the withered hand, Peter's mother-in-law, the epileptic boy, the multitudes that we don't even know the details about because the book of John says if there are books were written about all the miracles that were done, there would not be books enough in the world to contain all that was being written. Well, the widow's dead son was raised. Uh, the lame beggar that Peter and John met. The man who fell out of the window because he fell asleep while, while Paul was preaching. I'm just so thankful that people fall asleep and went on preaching, but Paul was a good preacher and he still fell out of the window and he died. Paul came out there and raised the guy from the dead. Don't fall out the window and die. No, I'm playing. Because I don't know if I have the faith raised you. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, sick, the sick that Paul sent the handkerchief to. Think about that. What about the sick that the, that the handkerchief was sent to? The paralyzed that Philip uh, healed. Paul, whose eyes were opened by Ananias, Paul was bitten by a viper and shook it off and survived. He also prayed for the, for the chief's uh, mother-in-law. How about all the cities that all the people were healed? How about all the doubt is gone? <laughs> Paul, what's this? The, the father of Publius with dysentery. We don't even know that story. Peter's chains fell off and supernatural escape from prison because of the prayers of the saints. Good stuff. Philip. Oh my gosh, there's so much good stuff here. Uh, well, there's another one I was trying to think of. Um, anyway. Instead of carrying our cross, why don't we carry about why don't we carry about in ourselves the resurrection? You know? Yeah. The resurrection gospel. Believing that we're destined to go into death and beat it. Conquer it. We are the redeemed of the Lord, not the beat down and cast aside version. We are the hope of this world. We are the light and salt of the earth. Listen, light almost has no purpose without having a purpose and shining in the dark. Yeah. You're destined to go into the dark. If you're the salt, you're destined to go places that aren't salty. <laughs> you know? Listen, our very beginning began in dust and rose us from the dust. When people die and they're like, oh, let's not, let's not burn them up and put them in the ashes because when the last day comes and Jesus comes back... He won't be able to resurrect them if they don't have a body. I've heard that before. <laughs> dust to dust. Ashes to ashes. If Jesus can create Adam out of the dust, you can take my ashes and you can bring a new body. So you're going to have a new body. That's good stuff. We have purpose and we have a job to do. We must preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope of all nations. We need to stop wallowing in our own self-pity and let God be the lifter of our head. Yeah. Get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes on him and his resurrection power. The only And, 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 and then on top of that, there's a difference between um, things that come against you from the devil. If it's from the devil, if we know it's from the devil, we can pray against it. Yeah. If it's from people, we know it's been promised to us. Scripture says, blessed are those who have been persecuted for my righteousness sake. We have to realize that we will be persecuted. And they have dominion. So anyway, guys, I think that's pretty much it. Does that help answering the question, Joe? Oh, yeah, yeah, that, um, if it don't, then... Woo! Jesus is awesome. So, just to recap, the, the, the Moses covenant talks about how God will send the curse on you if you disobey. So this is why... 
That's why people were going through the hardships they were in the Old Testament. Because it was promised. They broke the rules. They didn't play by the rules. See? But in Jesus Christ, he nullifies all that. And in Isaiah 54, it says, If anyone fiercely assails you, it's not from me. So we know that these things that come against us now are not from God. Make sense? And there's a whole other teachings out there I've got recorded, so we're not going to go into that. Jesus is awesome. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Lion Ministry podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, please visit our website at www.boldasalignministries.com. Subscribe to our Facebook for updates on what God is doing in our ministries and our YouTube page for updated teachings hosted at the Barracks Discipleship and Recovery House. For weekly refreshing word, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. We pray strength and blessing for you and yours and for the courage to walk boldly for God. 